Hello, and welcome to Moonwise, a monthly podcast featuring conversations with women of power. I'm your host, Dorte Sophie Royal, and in this episode, we bring you my conversation with artist, small business coach, and magic maker, Yaro Magdalena. We talk about the power of ritual and the act of naming yourself to honor a new phase in life. We discuss reclaiming weirdness, using creative writing as a self-care tool, and her joy in undertaking introvert adventures. Yaro also shares her perspective on working with the tarot and how she works to maintain authenticity in social media and the online business space. Before we begin, I want to send a huge thank you to our newest Patreon subscriber, Amy Rose Matias. Over on Patreon, I'm sharing bonus content, songs, writing prompts, and other treats. If you've enjoyed our shows and find value in this community, please consider subscribing at patreon.com moonwise. Thank you so much. Okay, on with our show. Yaro Magdalena is an artist, writer, body worker, and plant lover who supports soft folks in reclaiming embodiment, intuition, a connection to nature, and everyday magic. She's the host of the Daydreaming Wolves podcast for folks who are into authentic conversations about healing, unusual stories, everyday struggles, and everyday magic. She also runs a web design and tech agency named Yaro Digital that supports small businesses in building heartfelt, sustainable online platforms made to hold big dreams and beautiful communities. Hi, Yaro. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really, really excited to speak to you. It's really fun to have a fellow podcast host on the show, and we'll talk about where people can find your amazing podcast soon, but I just want to start by talking about your name, Yaro Magdalena. It is so beautiful, and I personally love Yaro as a plant and ally, and in fact, the reason I invited you on the show is because I resonate so strongly with that plant, and By walking with that name, it kind of announces to the world the energy that you bring. And so I've seen that you've mentioned the idea of changing one's name for a new chapter in life. So I would love it if you could start by telling us about how that unfolded for you. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Um, Gosh, where to start? I really believe that ritual and ceremony is incredibly important and sometimes really missing from our lives. So obviously we have all the conventional stuff, like maybe graduating high school and turning 18. Some of us get married, but we have pretty standardized ways of kind of celebrating these milestones in life. So for me, renaming myself after the dust of my Saturn return had settled, (laughs) was a really beautiful way to really kind of turn a leaf and say, hey, so I've learned about myself, you know, I know so much more about who I am. And obviously that's an, an, you know, infinite unfolding. I'm not at all saying that I've got all of this figured out. But there was a point where I felt like, I had overcome some stuff, I had worked through some pain and trauma, and I also on a practical level just was a bit annoyed living in the UK that people wouldn't really um, pronounce my German name correctly. So I was called Zara, and everyone just assumed that my name was Sarah. So I was like, that kind of always was like something at the back of my mind. And so... 
in January last year, I was on a holiday with a close friend of mine. And after a week of just doing absolutely nothing, like I hadn't taken my computer, I wasn't really on Instagram. And we were traveling from the coast of Morocco to Marrakesh. Um, and I was so deeply relaxed. It just kind of dropped into my mind. And I was like, it's time, you know, I really am ready for something new. And then there were a couple of days of thinking about different options and I knew I wanted something um, kind of nature related because I had been loving and living with plants for a long time at that point. And I chose Yarrow. Yeah, like you said, it's just a really beautiful plant. It's really wild. It feels like a great protector. It has so much to teach us about boundaries, but also about light and I just love its wildness and how it's very abundant in this bi-region that I'm in here in the south of the UK. And also just from the sound, it kind of has the softest sounds of the English language, I felt. And that was something that I really liked about my German name, except no one was really pronouncing it that way. <laughs> so, yeah. And then I had a really beautiful um ceremony about reimagining myself last year around this time. There were, well... I think it was in February and March, there were two blue moons. I don't know if you remember, it was a really beautiful time. And it, so everything was already full of ceremony and slowness and kind of reflection. And it just fitted right in. And um, I was sitting in the bath with my friend, with the same friend that I'd been on a holiday with. And we were kind of swimming in Yarrow and reflecting and talking. And then, um, yeah, just made it a really beautiful ritual. And, and I've never looked back. I really, really am so glad I did that. And then Magdalena is my second name. So this has been passed down through many generations on my mother line. All the women are called Magdalena as a second name. Um, I do have a surname, <laughs> which isn't a secret. It's heaven, but it's, it's also a, a Dutch word. So you can't really Google it, which sounds, you know, pretty boring and like a, like a less important consideration. But when I started my business, I knew that I couldn't really ever be found with my surname because it's a Dutch word. Um, it's called to have, um, so I was like, oh, that's cool. I'm just going to use my second name. And that just belongs to me as well. And sounds really nice. So that felt good. Yeah. Wow. And for anyone who doesn't know what a Saturn return is, that is the age between around 26, 27 and 30 when a cycle completes from birth to through childhood and your teen years. And then you're really stepping into a new cycle. Is there anything else you know about that that we should add? Oh, gosh. Yeah, that sounds totally right to me. I think that's also how I would describe it. And I think, yeah, it just happens to be the time where I had stepped away from this being in education and very actively and maybe anxiously even trying to find myself and just settling a little bit more into adulthood and being like, oh, yeah, and, you know, there's still a lot of work to do, lots to figure out. But in some ways I have arrived now and I know what I want to do with my 30s. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. For for many people, it's a feeling of moving beyond the expectations of other people and starting to step into our own real calling and what we really want to bring into our lives as adults. So it's a powerful time. Yes, totally. Yeah, I agree. And I've heard someone say once that when you receive a name, kind of like a sacred or a spiritual name, that it's both recognizing the energy that you have brought to the planet, but also it's a name to live into and to discover and explore really throughout the rest of your life. So that's an exciting thing to look forward to. 
Yeah, it really is. And I do feel that I'm just at the beginning of that journey. I think pans are so rich and beautiful and there's so much intimacy that we can experience with them. So I'm playing with Yara all the time in different ways, but also I really have such deep respect for how little I know in the greater scheme of things, you know, about the universe and yarrow and your roses and all these different things. So, and, and I'm happy. I think, I think beginner's mind, like the fool in the tower is actually really beautiful as well. It's a nice place to be. Mm. And did you notice a shift in the way that you walk through the world as soon as you had completed that ritual or even the way that people respond to you? Mm. Yes, I really, really still love hearing my name. I sometimes am a tiny bit embarrassed. Like I will often label um, anything I own with just my name because I love it so much. And it reminds me of preschool where every, you know, everyone had similar stuff and you just had to write your name into everything. I'm still doing that. Um, as we speak, I have a little bowl that I potted myself and it's like, an offering bowl um, that usually has rose petals in it and it also has my name kind of stamped into it and so it's just everywhere and I yeah I feel like sounds and words really have meaning so I'm noticing that I feel like I just feel pleased hearing my name which sounds so weird but I do enjoy it and I enjoy introducing myself as Yarrow and not everyone even knows that's a plan and that's totally fine. I think we still have a collective understanding or like there's an energy behind it, whether you know a lot about that plan or not, um, that I really enjoy. So that feels good. Yeah. I would just encourage anyone who feels called to consider doing that. I think uh, it feels like, yeah, like a little bit of an of a weird thing to do, but I'm really into weirdness. I think reclaiming weirdness and just owning one's own weirdness is something really, really cool and powerful. And it's a gift that you can give to yourself if you feel like you've completed a cycle. Maybe you just want to choose a name for yourself that you don't want to share with anyone. That's an option too if you feel shy about it, but it could be really beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there have been many cultures in the world in which you don't keep the same name for your entire life, but when you do something or achieve something or have an initiation, then in fact, you do take on a new name. So it's definitely, there's a precedent for the weird, <laughs> weirdness, which is not so weird after all. Um, and do you have any advice for those who may be feeling called to this or searching for a name that really resonates? I mean, it sounds like to me that you were in kind of a a state of relaxation and receiving and it just came and there was an internal yes that's it oh gosh yeah sure I think so often with these big questions it's more about making space and unlearning than actually learning something new or grasping or thinking you need to improve or read another book I mean read books I love them you know <laughs> I love learning as well but I think sometimes these things that just drop in come at times where we just make space for nothingness you know where we just don't take our laptop like I didn't and we don't check Instagram and we just give ourselves time I usually when I'm trying to make big decisions I just block two days and try to really have absolutely nothing scheduled and I do my laundry ahead of time so I'm not tempted to kind of just distract myself with that kind of thing and then I go for walks something that really helps me is have to have my body be in 
repetitive movement sounds weird but like swimming or walking where I don't have to consciously like coordinate my movements with say music or like a yoga class which I also really love where you follow sequence but with walking and swimming it's just the same thing over and over again but your whole system is in motion and it kind of stirs and moves the energy and that really helps me so just to make space to drop into your intuition in whatever way it works for you and um, if in doubt, ask, ask the plants yourself, have some tea, try to connect and try to listen. Yeah. Yeah. I would echo that. Just asking the universe or whatever is sacred to you a question and then being in a space to receive, you'd be surprised the answers that you do get. It may not be on the timeline that you want, but it definitely happens. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, I've heard you talk about your work being in support of soft folks, and you've hinted at your own introvert adventures. And so as a fellow introvert and sensitive person, I'd love to hear about your experience and what those words mean to you. I just love soft folks. I'm like, I want to raise my hand like, yep, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that's a cool question. So I think soft folks initially came out of thinking about gender. And <clears throat> I also run like a web design and uh, online marketing agency. So I think a lot about things like, you know, how are we inviting people in? How does language matter how can visuals be inclusive and all these kinds of things and I realized that the people I want to work with are soft folks but they can be across such a big spectrum of gender you know it could be women but it could also be all kinds of other genders and soft folks is just like it's not gendered I think anyone can be soft in different ways um and folks also, and this might be incorrect because I'm not a native speaker but this is just like my association with the word is like it sounds to me like common people, but in a very like gentle and, and soft and slightly political way. And again, you know, that might be different in the States. I'm really not sure. This is just my thing. But it feels like a very non-hierarchical word. And I think that's how I want to position myself in my work. I see myself as a creator of experiences and information and things that I find exciting and inspiring. But I don't necessarily need to position myself as an expert within a hierarchy with, with the people that I'm working with. So that feels good. You know, soft folks are like people like me and you, we're all soft together. We can have different genders um, and we can learn from each other. And we're in a circle rather than in a hierarchy. And um, introvert adventures. Yeah, I'm definitely an, an introvert. And I think I'm naming that specifically because I think there sometimes is this misconception that people that have, in any way public facing businesses or who pour energy into Instagram or who podcast are always extroverts. And so I very clearly want to say that's actually not the case for me. I have started podcasting because I love having one-on-one -on -one conversations rather than approaching groups. Like I can't remember the last time I've been at a conference, this probably been two or three in my life, you know, and I find it really overwhelming. So to me, introvert adventures is also about reclaiming that there's like joy and curiosity and courage and adventure in pretty gentle stuff. Um, and as a queer person, I think that's to me also about not necessarily wanting to go clubbing a lot and, but still wanting to have adventures, you know, like I'm, I love hiking. I love, um, 
learning new crafts, exploring different things that way. Um, I love books. I love being in intimacy with people. And that feels adventurous and, and brave sometimes. But there's a lot of things extroverts might find easier than me that I'm not so into. Yeah. Mm, I love that. I, I just like the idea of um, using the word adventure for the things that we can do by ourselves in a room with a candle and a book and some tea or just, yeah, exploring the inner world, which is a world that our culture doesn't really privilege in a lot of ways or emphasize that we can do like these deep dives inside. And um, I've been tasked recently by one of my mentors to start to explore the deep earth, which is the same as the womb space. I've really been sitting with like, okay, how do I dive into the womb space and like really meditate and do like a deep meditation in there? And to me, that's quite a courageous and adventurous thing for me to do though others would just see me sitting quietly in a room (laughs) (laughs) yeah totally that is I mean yes totally there's so much depth in ourselves and like really exploring the human experience and seeing what comes up and being open I think that is really also going away from from our collective more beaten path I guess so yeah it's definitely an adventure and a really good one yeah Well, speaking of introvert adventures and going off the beaten path, you are the first person on this podcast that is, that reads the tarot or at least does so in a more public way. And so I thought it would be a nice space to kind of introduce what, um, what that is and what those tools are for divination and for inquiry. And so I was wondering what tarot means to you and how you work with it. Yeah, sure. I love this question and I feel so honored that I'm the first tarot reader on the podcast. That's great. Um, So to me, I mean, I'll start with the more technical stuff. So the tarot is a set of cards, um, 78. It's divided into four suits, um, which correlate to the elements as we think of them in the West. So there's um, water, earth, um, fire and air. And then there's um, the cards from number one to ten, and then there's a chord of usually they're called um, pages, knights, queens, and kings. Although in newer decks that um, have come out in the last few years, there's really exciting new ways of looking at these relationships between the chord cards. But anyway, um, and then there's the major arcana. So what I just described was the minor arcana um, with the different elements. And then there's the major arcana, which begins with the zero, which is the fool who goes on this journey and meets all these different archetypes. And then the journey eventually concludes in the world. And uh, yeah, I mean, that is the more technical <laughs> aspect of it. Um no one really knows with absolutely certainty where the tarot has originated. Some people believe that the first decks came about in Italy. Um, some people believe that um, there's some relation to playing cards that were um, created in, in Egypt way before they came up in Italy. So honestly, I don't know. I think it's super fascinating, but I'm really keen to find out more too. Um, and to me, the tarot is... I, so, so many things. It's, it's a self-care tool. It's a way of um, really learning to trust my own mind um, and to bypass, in a way, my anxiety and my conditioning and my worries sometimes. 
it's a way to really invite my intuition in and make space for stillness. I think it's also a way to work with visuals because I think collectively there's a tendency to be very heady and, you know, very focused on words and facts and um, science, which all of which is really beautiful and so helpful and has surely, you know, so many benefits. But I think it's also good to bring balance in. So I have um, a couple of decks that just they're visually so stunning and they just allow me to drop into the space of appreciating colors and form and shapes and composition and for me to really connect with what is important right now. So I don't necessarily, I think this might be a stereotype and this is also okay to read in this way, but I think many people understand the tarot to be this maybe more linear tool where you go and see someone and you ask a specific question and you sit down and then this person is like, yeah, in three years you're going to get married and, you know, the person's going to look like this. So this is not how I feel about the tarot at all. Um, to me, um, it's a tool, like I said, to get to know our own minds. And for me, in this practice, embodiment is very important. So I noticed that in the first year of my business, and I'm, I've just celebrated my fourth birthday, but in the first year, I was still so unsure about so many things. You know, there was so much anxiety about figuring stuff out and making it work. And I noticed myself pulling cards a lot and kind of just wanting to hear what I had already decided was right. I just wanted affirmation and comfort. And I was turning to the cards just with quite a high frequency, as in, you know, very often, uh, not necessarily with an energetic high <laughs> frequency. <laughs> um, but anyway, so, so, and I think in that time, I that then kind of paused and I was like, is this really feeding me or am I just overloading my brain with even more information and things to look at? And I made a decision for myself to only read the tarot if I also have time to write about it. So that's kind of my tarot rule at the moment. And then I also began kind of creating more beautiful um, and intentional rituals around it. So I would usually light candles. I'll make a special tea. I'll think about what plant I could be working with in my herbal infusion to support the question that I come with. Um, I will choose the time of the day, usually to be very quiet, either in the morning or in the evening, but not between calls in the day. Um, and I will just clear my space and really sit down and put my hand on my heart and take a deep breath and as a first step, think about what I actually want to ask. And that in itself usually is so powerful, just finding the right question. Um, one question when I create small spreads that I always like to add is, what am I not seeing here? And those are usually the most interesting cards that come up. So I, I am someone who likes really small spreads. There's huge stuff like the Celtic Cross, for example. Usually I find them really overwhelming. I just love simple two or three card spreads that I can do when I have time and um, that really allow me to make space for journal as well. So yeah, I, I will write the questions down and then um, I can, you know, go back into my journal now and see how different things have come up over time and how my understanding of them has changed. So what the fool is to me now, for example, is so different than what it was to me a year ago or five years ago. So I think it's also a beautiful way to mark time in a way and to understand our own development as a person yeah mm, very cool and so how long have you been working with tarot has it been five years or even longer uh, longer than that I think five years intensely yes um 
I remember that my mom had a deck when I was a teenager. I was really interested in that, but I um, didn't really take it serious. I mean, I was just like really an average teenager who was very distracted and kind of all over the place. <laughs> so um, I did practice yoga as a teenager and I did kind of try meditation and, and reading the cards, but I just had so much on my mind and I think I wasn't finding enough stillness to really drop into how this could be serving me if I had paid more attention until later in my 20s. Yeah. For some reason, I just feel compelled to ask you a little bit about your heritage because we both share being born in Germany. And as you're speaking, I just can't help but see you as, I mean, there's no other word really that I can think of besides like a European medicine woman. And so I'm just curious about like, yeah, any work you've done around ancestry or the connection to the land, whether in England or um, in your home country. Many of our listeners are in the U.S., but we have listeners around the world. And I often get questions around like reconnecting to European indigenous roots. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, sure. So I was born in Germany and have um, also have Italian ancestry. And then my grandparents were um, in the Ukraine, I'm not sure if I'm mispronouncing this, but they were in the Ukraine. Ukraine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes, exactly. Yes. Um, when they were born, so they were Germans, but they ended up just being born there for, for all kinds of complicated reasons. And then, um, when the second world war broke out, they fl had to flee overland back to Germany. Um, so there's definitely a sense of displacement and, and complexity in my heritage. And, I also know that um, women on both sides of my family have always worked with plants. Um, other than my mom, I don't know that the tarot has been used, but I also know that that would have possibly been a secret. You know, like um, that is not something that before the last decade people have necessarily been able to be open about, which is a shame. Um, but I do know stories from my grandmothers about... Um, surviving on nettles for example because they really didn't have anything else to eat or um, treating wounds with things like yarrow um, and I'm I'm really grateful that they are sharing these stories with me even if they are in some ways heavy or um, quite traumatic on their part I do think that we are just beginning to understand ancestral trauma and what we pass down through generations I'm really interested in that kind of thing and I think for me, for example, working with Nettle now really feels like a coming home and like honoring and acknowledging a plant that has, in a way, allowed me to be here now because, you know, my grandmother survived and was able to become a parent to my dad because she was nourished by this plant. So there's a lot of reverence there for sure. And with Medicine Woman, I, I think I totally know what you mean. And I think it is really important that we think about and reclaim these European healing traditions that were definitely there. Um, I think medicine woman maybe wouldn't necessarily be a word I would use for myself because, you know, like, like you are also, I'm aware of culture, cultural appropriation, how difficult that can be. And so adding European to it, that makes total sense to me. Um, yeah, but I'm still feeling these things out. Um, and I you know, want to be really honest about that. I've, I, I've trained as a yoga teacher, for example, in my mid-20s, and I was teaching for two years here in Brighton. Um, I was offering donation-based um, body-positive queer yoga classes, which I really loved. But I also find my, found myself quite 
overwhelmed with um, with the industry as a whole and and everything that comes with that and realized that when I began my training that at the time I was quite naive about what it would be like to be a, a white yoga teacher. So I eventually stopped because I felt that I personally hadn't found coherent enough answers to how this could work and be good. Um, but I'm definitely also up for still exploring that and seeing how it could be something that serves without being harmful. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And thank you for your honesty around that. It's definitely for many who have been kind of cut off from their roots. It is a kind of challenging and interesting journey back. And it's, it is, it can be complicated to figure out what it is that we can reclaim um, with integrity. So thank you for that. Well, I'm wondering what self-care practices that you're feeling nourished by these days? Mm. Oh, so many. Again, I'm feeling like your questions are so beautiful and so open and I could talk all day about them, but I'm going to try to <laughs> narrow it down a little bit. So one thing I really like at the moment are guided meditations. Um, so I have also really loved just sitting quietly, but this year I really just have this burst of motivation and and yearning for being guided in meditation. And I'm using the Insight Timer app, which is quite nice. There's more than 50,000 free meditations. And I also, you receive little stickers. And I would love to say that I'm just motivated for myself. You know, this I'm just showing up for myself. But I kind of also like the stickers. And I think it's okay to hold both, you know. Um, and I'm on, on a very long streak now. So there's just a sense of like really wanting to offered stability that I'm yearning in my life for myself. Um, there's quite a lot of political chaos in the UK at the moment because we're trying to figure Brexit out, which is, you know, I literally don't know if, if five days from now we're still going to be in the EU or not, which really affects me because I don't have a British passport. But anyway, so there's a lot of instability there and I really just um, yearning for the consistency and stability of showing up for myself and making myself feel really safe and uh yeah support it and then um I as I said I really really love working with plants in quite simple ways I call myself a fog herbalist because herbalism is incredibly important to me but I'm not trained as a clinical or medical herbalist so I just mainly really really care about working with plants in simple and nourishing and mutually supportive ways that anyone can do so I have a small number of plants that I just surround myself with all the time. And I love making tinctures and skincare things and teas and essences. So I make a lot of my um, just, you know, body balms and oils and facial stuff myself. And I think that's a such a beautiful hobby to have. It's both creative and nourishing and it saves money all of which is really great and it ensures that you know you're decreasing the plastic waste that you're creating just reuse your glass bottles and you know what's in them so that's something I really love and then I love journaling um especially together with the tarot so usually I draw a card in the morning and then um I write about uh, what comes up how that feels um even if it doesn't feel right so I think even if I turn a card and I'm like, hmm, this is not the energy that I woke up with, but 
that in itself also I think is really good information and I can just say that and it feels true um, and that's good. I really like the book um, The Artist's Journey by Julia Cameron who suggests that we write three pages every morning as a way to kind of unblock our own creativity. So that's the book that kind of turned me on this morning journaling journey and it has really worked for me. Um, and then of course I love movement. That's usually something I do later in the day just checking it out between work and my lunch break, just doing some dancing at the moment, to be honest. Um, slightly embarrassing, but I'm dancing to Sorry by Justin Bieber <laughs> because it just feels good in my body for some reason. <laughs> yeah. I love that. And what was the name of the book that you mentioned for those who might want to check it out? Yeah, sure. It's The Artist Way by Julia Cameron. Okay, The Artist Way by Julia Cameron. And then the app you mentioned is called Insight? Yes, Insight Timer, yeah. We have a little bit of time left, so I wanted to ask you about maintaining authenticity and connection on social media because you have a really beautiful presence online and your website is also, it's it's very, it's hard to explain. It's like clean, but also like brings you in on a heart level, which is hard to even explain. Um, and I know that you do teach some of these like business coaching things. So just wanted to, yeah, get some insight into how you're maintaining that like heart centered authenticity in these digital spaces. Thank you so much for those kinds words. That's really hard. Uh, It's really beautiful to hear (laughs) because it is very hard. Like you're totally right. It is really hard to find your own voice and consistently show up and not kind of just drop into this pressure of like, I should be posting every day and I should be having X number of followers. That's definitely been a long process and journey for me. And it's still something that bumps up against me all the time for sure. Um, But I think on Instagram, what feels helpful is, well, on a practical level, I have a setup that enables me to type out longer posts on my computer and that feels helpful. So I used a free version of later.com which means that I can schedule and write out up to 30 posts a month. And that doesn't necessarily mean that my posts are always scheduled. Sometimes they are, because when I promote something, I know I can feel shy about it. So I hold myself accountable by at the beginning of the month, sitting down and maybe writing four or six promotional posts for the month ahead. And then then I can relax and just share whatever else comes up from my heart. And obviously the promotion is also from my heart, but it is, you know, it can feel harder to share about what you are offering. Um, but sometimes it also just means something does come up spontaneously, but I just don't want to type it out on my phone because that's fiddly and who, who wants that? Um, and then on an emotional level, I, I think there's a lot of trial and error. I can really see looking through my feed that whenever I've, I've shared something pretty vulnerable or something weird or awkward, people really loved it. So you know, I received that encouragement over time that it's okay to be weird. And that's been really helpful for me. And I think that's also about just being honest about who you are and being okay with not being for everyone. So um, I really sincerely love the people that follow me on Instagram. And I trust that they are okay with hearing me not always being okay, or with me being you know, not perfect. I'm not totally sure about something. Um, and I think that really goes both ways. I think if we are 
projecting perfectionism outwards and we're expecting you know an audience that is just willing to receive all of that that's um that's tricky too so I think yeah it's it's just a complicated dance and and it's about really deciding what feels good to you there's so many rules that you could be taken on if you wanted to say I know many people have a more visually curated feed that I do. And I love that. Like I personally, my nervous system loves color coordination. So when I go to these feeds and I just look to them, it just feels like, ah, you know, like there's a lot of light or like I love people that have shades of beige and pink together and that feels really good. Um, but for me, that would feel like a little bit too much effort and finding the right images and mapping things out. So I do try to bring lightness in and I usually post a lot from my walks in the woods. And so there's a lot of nature and there's some kind of theme. But other than that, I allow myself a little bit more wiggle room. Um, but it's so unique. I think it really depends on what feels good to you. And I think that should really always be the main um source of clarity in decision making is just like what feels good to you that's going to be the most attractive to people that's going to be the easiest for you and that's going to be the best for your business and how you want to communicate <clears throat> and with the websites I mean it's obviously easier for me because I am a web designer I can just go in and change things I do that a lot actually <laughs> um, and with this latest version of daydreamrose.com that's actually also been a really intuitive process. So I had been feeling for like maybe three or four weeks that the old colors I was using weren't right for me anymore. There was a really dark green and some brown. So very earthy woodland colors, but just too dark. And I was coming out of winter and I was just like, wow, I really need something fresh and new. And I felt I was changing directions ever so slightly. And I needed that to be manifested in the visual language. Um, and I was just sitting with that. I was just like allowing myself to discomfort with the darker colors, was kind of opening myself up to seeing what other colors might be good. And eventually one weekend on a Saturday morning, I was like, I know, I know it's going to be a light green and this like really dusty, super sexy berry purple, and then a, a shade of like dusty grayish pink. And I played on Canva a little bit and it just came pretty quickly. It was like 10, 15 minutes. I had the color board and then I went in and worked through this the rest of the weekend until it was done Sunday night. And I felt such a deep sense of satisfaction and completion with that. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, I love what you say. It's okay to be weird. And I feel like we need a t-shirt that says that I would totally wear that t-shirt. So thank you for the encouragement on that front. And I was wondering if there's anything that is just feeling really potent to you right now or these days that you feel like you'd love to share about yourself or your work in the world or what you might want our listeners to know about you. Well, I really love hearing questions from people. So I think there's this misperception that maybe we don't want to receive direct messages or like people would be bothering us. Um, I can't always, always reply and also not always in the moment, but I actually really love hearing from people because that makes being creative so much easier because there's this sense of purpose of like, yeah, someone is listening. I'm not just talking into the void and, you know, they're clearly thinking about what we're saying and we're in a dialogue. So that's really beautiful. And, um, the thing that I'm doing that I'm most excited about is building my Patreon because I'm 
kind of stepping away from this transactional selling someone this one-off program kind of thing. Instead, I really want to create community around the programs that I'm offering. So people can pledge $3 or more on my Patreon and they receive access to all my courses. They can be on there as long as they want and they can cancel anytime. So there's a bit of trust. People can also just pledge $3 once and then leave. And that's okay. So I'm really kind of opening myself to a more experimental way of doing business and building relationships. That feels exciting. Um, and the programs that I'm offering, one is called the DIY Small Business School, which is like an eight-module program where we're talking about weirdness, but also about practical and technical stuff. And I'm sharing my screen and showing everything from like how I do social media to how I build websites, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then the other program I'm running is called The Magic of Embodiment, which is an ongoing membership um, with different monthly themes. And each month people receive um, a package of tarot spreads and plant journals and herbal recipes and movement and journaling rituals and playlists and little pep talks from me. And then we also meet on the first Sunday each month to just kind of be together and share about how self-care is doing and going. And that is also available for $3. Um, so it's a lot. And it sounds sometimes like, it sounds like, oh, why is it so cheap? But people can definitely fetch more. I'm so open to that too. <laughs> and and I, I, it is about community. And there's a lot of people on the platform that I'm hosting on Mighty Networks. So it's more about bringing lots of people together and seeing what everyone needs. And people used to, tend to kind of come in and kind of pick and choose what is most relevant to them at the time and that feels good to me as a teacher too yeah awesome thank you and that small business course sounds very tempting to me especially if we get to talk about being weird and <laughs> embracing our authenticity well for those who would like to find you online can you tell us your website url again and and other places where people can check out your work yeah, sure. So web design and, and online business stuff is at yarrowdigital.com. And the podcast for that business is called DIY Small Business Podcast. Um, and then it's daydreamvolves.com for everything around um, ritual and magic. And that podcast is also called Daydream Wolves. And then on Instagram, I'm at Yarrow Magdalena. Well, thank you so much, Yarrow, for joining us. This was really fun. It's been so beautiful to talk to you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the show. You can hear this month's lunar forecast and other episodes on moontent.co or subscribe to Moonwise podcast on iTunes. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate us on iTunes and leave a review. Music for this episode is Bamboo by Trinetti, who is one of the featured artists on Spirit House Records, a radically artist-friendly record label for witches, healers, and free spirits. Check them out at spirithouse.bandcamp.com. See you next time. Like bamboo in the wind I've been Cause I'm planted so deep I can feel the touch of spirit over me Like 